morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about lots of RPGs, RPGs, no players, no time. Wow. That yeah. sounds serious. Yeah, it's pretty serious. I think it's every gamer's, I don't know what you call it, nightmare, but not really a nightmare. More like the situation. Unless you're lucky enough that you have plenty of time and are playing plenty of games. So this person on Reddit asked this question about, well, it wasn't really that question. It was it was his shouting to the darkness or into the void because he was saying, and that's what he said. He goes, I'm really just ranting. I, I don't expect people to solve my problems. <laughs> so his problem was that he has a ton of RPGs that he really wants to play, run, play, but he has no players and no time. I have a suggestion for him. Maybe he should get rid of some of his RPGs <laughs> that he can't play. Take it to a flea market and sell it. Sell it on eBay. Well, there's that. You can lower the amount of RPGs available so you don't feel as bad. <laughs> That's a suggestion I give to sell all the time. I, I'm, I'm getting to the... does not do it. I'm getting to that point where I might have to start selling RPGs. Because he's run out of space to put them. Well, there's that. And it's kind of like... What is that? That that reminder there that, damn, I haven't got that game to the table. And then on the horizon at my age, I'm thinking, I may never get that game to the table. Such a first word world problem there, dude. I'll just... Like one of our friends that we were playing yesterday, or I don't know when it was, but anyway, recently, and he was lamenting that he had too much PTO and he had to take time off. And then he goes, yeah, I know, first world. I go, really, dude? You're crying about that? You have to take, I have to take time off. Or I'm going to lose it. Uh, <laughs> so he's going to take every Friday off for the next couple months. Wah, wah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> Says the guy who gets five weeks of vacation. So I don't know. Actually, six weeks. But anyway, who's counting? What are we talking about? Uh, this guy has too many games. He wants to play more. What could he do? I mean, what can you? You can't. Well, the the easiest thing you could do is build a time machine, make go back to when you were a teenager, and play the like when you were a but kid. But they weren't there when. Oh, that's true. Well, you could play D and D the heck out of D and D. At least when I was a kid. I mean, I think all of us look, go back to the time when we were kids. If you're not that old, you still could go back to when you were younger and had more time. You know, as a kid, what, what responsibilities did you have? Go to school. Big deal. That's what six hours out of your day and if you live in a country go outside and run around and jump off hay bales and stuff like that go through alfalfa alfalfa uh fields and stuff that's what i did uh but at a certain point you know you play you run you become uh acquainted with rpgs you start playing and you have a hell of a time because we used to play every saturday in fact we used to play every saturday and then we started going to the to uh the library every Saturday. And so that was a lot of role playing going on as a kid. Now, as you get older, you got work, you got responsibilities, you have family, obligations, blah, blah, blah. He says it like it's not a bad, like it's a bad thing, right? Sometimes it is a bad thing. <laughs> so Cuts into it, your game. It seems, it, seems that, it seems like that happens when you become an adult. Uh, but there's maybe some things that you could do to make it easier for you to be able to play games. So this guy cries out into the internet night. Well, into the Reddit, which, you know, you're going to get answers no matter what. And says, you don't have to answer me. But of course, as gamers, they all answered him. Well, this we, is what I would do. Yeah. 
This is as what some, I do. And some of you will lament. You know, they you know, lament with them. And I feel for you. They go, oh, welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of felt the same way because I have a small collection of RPGs and some of them I haven't played. And uh, I'm kind of some sometimes in the same boat. But I do try to play more games than I... I try to play more games. So for this guy, he can't get his... I guess his normal group, whatever they play, they don't want to play the different games. The newer, the, yes. the all of the different kinds. He didn't of really games. go into yeah. specifics about what, what his problem was other than he had too many games ah, that nobody played with. There you go. Uh, I'm sure he plays because he... Has he, all those games. He has all those games. So this one person uh, responded to him and then it got my ideas going and I'm like, yeah, those are good ideas. And one of the things is uh, he mentioned was lower the barrier to entry. Make it easier for people to play. We've but, talked about that before. Yeah, we, and we talked about that before. And what, what, what makes it easier for people to play? Having characters created already. Right. Pre-gens. Yes. Right. A lot, uh, think, of, think of how, like a marketer, right? Like a, a game uh, designer, designer, marketer, publisher, whatever, designs games. Think of a starter set. They right? always give you pre-generated characters. Right. They always have pre-generated characters. You don't need to spend all that time making characters, especially like, like the D&D starter kit, right? It has pre-generated characters because making a character, if you've never done it before, or five people have never done it, and you're trying to get them to make characters, it could be a problem. That's a barrier to entry. Instead of just sitting down going, oh, you're a warrior. These are your skills. This is what you can do. Bada -bada -bada -bada. Or here are the characters you can choose from. Yeah. I've made the characters for you this right. time. So then next time you can make whatever you want. Right. That makes it easier to get into a game. Pick easy games to run. Don't run really complicated games. I hate to say that like uh, like the, what's, what is it, Dark Heresy or Rogue Trader where the percentile system is kind of weird and, and you have all these skills. and Unless you have cheat sheets for them. Yeah, but even cheat sheets, if, you, if it's a really complicated game, uh, let's say a fifth edition Shadowrun, you could have all the cheat sheets in the world. But if you're a brand new player or a new player to, the, to that game, it's going to be problematic for you, for you to be able to run, play your character, not, not even like run the game. So pick easier games to play. D&D is pretty easy because it is so well known every corner of the world of what D&D is. People already have an idea. They've seen the Lord of the Rings. They've seen, there's all kinds of reasons why D&D is the easier game to get people to play. Well, if they haven't seen Lord of the Rings they probably still know what an elf and a dwarf is. <laughs> yes, are. right, right. If you're playing face-to-face, -face, make it super easy for them to come to your place and play a game, have pencils, pens, dice, everything ready, just in case they forget to bring their stuff. Of course. If they have that stuff. So another thing is, there's another suggestion, which I organically has happened with me. Uh, when, I was a, when I was a kid, we ran eight, ten-hour games. We played starting at 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. That is, that is not lowering the barrier. And played till 12 o'clock at midnight. So understand that a lot of people don't have that much time anymore, <laughs> even me. Uh, so shorten your game, right? Shorten how long your session is. And if it's a game that people haven't played before, if it's if you play a two or three hour game, they might really get into it and really want to play it again. Whereas if you're playing a six hour game and this is the first time they've ever seen this stuff, they're like, I don't want to do this. Right. Give them that taste and leave them wanting more. Yeah. It's exactly a good idea for a two, three hour, even a four hour game. I think, how long did we play last yesterday? 
don't well, know. we're supposed to play four hours, more or less, from 11 to 3. Some people were really talkative, though. So. Yes. So there was a lot of talking, a lot of eating. So we played about three uh, yeah. hours, maybe two and a half. Three. <laughs> I'd say three. So, yes, that definitely makes the game easier to get into. When you know, oh, oh, it's only going to be three hours. It's going to be you know, a little bit more longer than a movie and, and, and whatever. Yeah. Well, in our Friday night's, night's game... We usually play until someone falls asleep because we're all tired, except for those of us who are retired. Even they fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, so I think that really does help uh, the GM. You want to get more games out on the table. Yeah. A, a shorter a shorter And get game. players, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you run a lot of these games, you're going to get a table, you're going to get a pool of players that really want to play. Right. And some people might drop out, but you're going to be able to get a pool of players that really want to play that really like the game i think that's another thing you should do is be very flexible if people drop out don't say i have to have four players to play this game that that that's number, oh, that's number i'm sorry eight. i i i didn't yeah. know there were they were numbered <laughs> so yeah run shorter games i think bite-sized periods of time make it easier for people to commit and easier people to say yes to and actually join and play the game I'm going to go pretty fast because there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Uh, third is run games at a game store. This gives you exposure to people just passing by, people who you probably wouldn't ever meet if you just played at home or played online. You get to meet people who are local because they're there in a local game store. That exposure, you know, people might come back and, oh, what are you playing? Oh, can I play? And so that's a way of advertising or getting that game out there. Um, he says game store because most game stores have Saturdays where people can come and play games, right? right. Or, or different days of the week where different games are played. So Yes, our, all our local game stores have like a little play area either because uh, usually most game stores are, they sell RPGs, but they also sell Magic the Gathering yeah. and Pokemon, and that requires a space to play, and they can make a lot of money if they have tournaments and stuff. So they have to have a little play area, or a large player, depending on what game store it is, and usually they, they don't have tournaments seven days a week. So Monday through Friday, they have empty tables, and you can ask, oh, can I run a game here? And they sometimes they'll charge. Most likely they won't because it's like advertising. Well, it depends on the, the store. Like There were some stores in Portland and Seattle that they specifically had rooms where people could run games all the time. Yes. I don't know if they charged or not, but yes, I'm sure they did. I, it was very interesting to yes. see. Well, even, uh, what is it, the Game Castle here, they have like an open play area, but they actually have a room where you can actually, you know, with a nice table and nice chairs. Yeah. Elusive Gamings has, has that area for role playing games that's, I think you have to pay to go back there and play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, I mean, if it's like, if, if you're running a private game, yeah, they do that. But if you're saying I want to run a public game where people can sign up through you guys to play, that's different. Yeah, usually your violence may vary in your particular area. I think uh, I, I think it gives you a little bit of uh, of exposure, and you people start to meet you. They know you. Uh, the same thing happens if you run at a convention, run convention games. You you get I hate to use the word, but you get a network of players and and GMs that that may like the game that you want to run. I want to play in it. Run different length campaigns. Maybe somebody wants to play a long campaign like they did when they were a kid. Take a year, go from first to 10th, 20th level, whatever. But 
Some people, I just want to play one, one adventure, one shot, and everything in between, right? So I think that's a good way of, of getting different types of players. One shots are people who probably just want to see what, what your GM style is, what your play style is. And I think it's or a good way. Or they want way. to see what the game is. Or they've see, heard about it and they want to play in it. Well, that, that is an excellent idea. I didn't think about that, that they may just want to see if this game is any good. Like and, there's a couple of games that I want to try, which I haven't told the GMs that run games for me yet. Uh oh. But I would like I would like to because like the Stanford group does one shots. Yes. Sometimes sometimes they do five shots, but it's always a interesting. You can you can play different games that right. you haven't played before. Same thing with the with the boys. Yes. At the night. Boy, yes. The Friday nights, <laughs> as we call ourselves. <laughs> we play on Friday night. Get it. I, I got it, baby. The double entendre. You're so weird. Running like one shots is different from running like an adventure out of a book, or as it's definitely different different from running a campaign. And different people have different ideas of what kind of game they want to get into. Uh, one shots are good for introduction to players uh, into the system, uh, in, in, introducing themselves to each other to the GM. But after that, they might want to play something that's a little bit more substantial. And I think uh, you should be able to switch up or run different kinds of games with different groups of people depending on their commitment to the game. So one shot would be like a four to five hour game, depending on where you are. Six hours if you're at a convention. That's usually the time slot here. Anyway, I don't know. Up to six to eight hours is what they usually say. Then some people might go, well, I'd like to play an adventure that lasts three or four games. So that would be like depending on how often you meet, like three months or whatever. Right, right, of course. And then there's the people that want to play that campaign game that's going to take a, a, a year, year at least to go through. And right. that's if you meet all the time. Right, if you meet, if you're scheduled regularly, whatever that may be. But you're going to get different uh, players with different types of expect- expectations or different expectations when they come to the table. They're like, oh, this is only, you're only going to play once, and then that's it. And they go, well, we can, usually, if they like the game and they go to a one-shot, they probably want to continue playing over and over again. And then a lot of people get tired of just the one-shots of different games and just want to play a longer campaign. Hence, and the thing about playing like at a at a game store where they have open gaming or whatever, right. you get to meet people that you wouldn't normally play with right so then that game that none of your friends wants to play i'm looking at ghost ops which uh it's just the game in front of (laughs) in the bookcase say they don't want to play that but you go to a game store and there's four guys that are like oh this is so cool right and they all go well can i buy that book and then you're i don't know if it's still in print my husband could tell you Uh, (laughs) yeah then then they go okay we can meet blah 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 and then yeah it's exactly what happens and play the game that you've been wanting to play for a while yes i mean and and ghost ops is not i just randomly looked at uh, that pick and picked it it's available on drive through rpg there you print on demand there you go uh yes i think that is the key to that kind of experience is that you get to meet different people that you don't normally would get to meet and a lot of times it's you know, you got your core group of people, or your one group that you have, and they play games with. But sometimes they're like, "Oh, we just want to play D and D or whatever game," and you're like, "Oh, I like to try this. Oh, well, we got to learn a new system. We we're really into this. We're in the middle of this campaign, and so there you go. So trying a different game is good. So that is one way to 
Meet new players. Right. And get a different pool of players. Yes. With different... Uh, they want, they want to play different games. Right. One another thing you could do is run different games, and we talked about that. We're talking about that sort of, but run if you run D and D all the time, and you're running D &D, different D and D games, try running a different genre. Run uh, a space opera game, uh, not the space opera from Fantasy Games Unlimited, but the, in the space opera genre. Whether it's Star Wars or Traveler, run something different, and you're going to get a different group of players wanting to play that game because. Some people are not interested in doing the fantasy thing, right? They've played D&D for 20, 30 years. They want to try something different. So run different games. And you're going to get a different pool of players uh, who are really interested in that game than just fantasy. There you go. Yes. Now, this one was kind of funny. It, it, the, there was, a, there was a, uh, re, somebody on Reddit that suggested to recruit aggressively which, which another redditor uh, uh uh posted because when it when i saw that post i was thinking of somebody in the mall saying walking up to strangers going have you do you know my new lord and savior and then you start talking about some game right which which is actually kind of funny and i thought it was kind of interesting that he that's what he thought and then he goes and then somebody else goes no no that's the wrong way to do it you're supposed to go door to door <laughs> and definitely cold call people at dinner time so i thought that those were both funny responses to that uh, comment that somebody said to recruit aggressively. I think he means not that you go to somebody's house and cold call them or cold knock on their door, but to go out, put yourself out there, put your game out there. Trying to get more people to come and play the game you want to play. Right. Advertise your game. I don't suggest going to the mall and, you know. <laughs> Pass out flyers? Yeah. <laughs> Although that might work. Uh, or going door to door because that's just. That's probably not. That one, I, that one I definitely don't suggest you don't do. But at the mall, maybe by the game store, you might want to, yeah. Oh, I'm going to start a new game. Yeah. I don't know how successful that might be. I don't know. I'm but there's other avenues of advertising. There's websites. You just go on Facebook. You Roll20 has looking for players. There's pen and paper is a website for people who want to meet and play games. Roll20 is a, is a, or any online gaming platform is a good way to, to play games that you don't get to play. Right. Because there's going to be people that are interested in that game and are willing to play with you online. Oh, you're talking about online? Yeah. I'm just saying because yeah. if, if, if you can't go out and proselytize to get players, then <laughs> you can go on to Roll20 and ask people, and I'm sure you're going to get players. Yes, yes. In fact, that does, I mean, they have, Roll20 is a VTT. You can go on, they have, they have a, it's free, I think, for the most part unless you want the extra bells and whistles, but you are able to say you're looking for a game, list any game you're looking for, and people will contact you if they want to. In fact, I was contacted not too long ago, but this person is, in, uh, I think it's in Italy and wants to run on weird days. For me, weird days, weird times. Uh, that has to do with the time difference. So. But anyway, so it does happen. You can do it, and you can find players out there. Definitely find players out there because, not that there's a DM, a GM shortage, but a lot of people like to play. A lot of people want to play certain games, but uh, their friends don't play or they're not like, likely to find people in their area to play. And the internet has opened up a lot of interest in being able to play online. 
so that's definitely a way of getting new getting players. that book off your shelf and into play right be committed to uh, running your game right if you say you're going to run on this day try not to ca- do not cancel uh, all the time uh, people are not, are not going to save that space or that time that they have for you to play it to for for them to play in a game and then you cancel as a gm that's terrible because then they get like oh well and if you do it more than once good luck on them ever showing up again i think if you're consistent and you you say you're going to run the game run the game i think that's pretty important uh, for you to stay committed to your to your commitments that you say you're going to do uh, that was pretty basic and that was pretty quick just try to be a dependable gm and run the game when you say you're going to run uh, Jolene talked about this one earlier. We call it Be Flexible. Uh, let's say you have an adventure for five players. Oh, you really think it's perfect for five players, but three players show up. Run the, run the game anyway. Uh, I know I've done this uh, a couple of times when I run a game at conventions. I run a game this last time. It was a six-player game, and I really wanted six players because the makeup of the – it was a investigation game. It was Blade Runner, and – I had the six player player of oh, six characters pre-generated and the, you know the, there's all kinds of inner workings between the players and kinds of background and stuff and six players what I needed and I when I started the game I got six players but one dropped out but then I realized it didn't really matter I could have ran it with less than five players or six players that's what you always are going to realize there. Because people are always saying you have to have a balanced party, you have to have this, and you have <laughs> to have that. And you can play with two people, and maybe they aren't fighters, so they're going to figure out how to do stuff without having to fight, right? Correct. I ran Space Opera. I was, I, it was on a Sunday night, I believe. Uh, it was, uh, I had up to eight characters. I had, actually have 10 character sheets and stuff. Only two people showed up. And I'm like, uh, but. It was mainly an investigative game, and it actually worked out really well because it was like a dual team, like a, you know, like a detective story, right? right. Just two detectives in every right. every case, theoretically, right? So I, it worked. It worked really well. They worked well together. You know, as far as the combat or the or the yeah the combat situations, I just kind of just if they didn't if they didn't want to get into combat, they were easily able to avoid it. Yeah. So it worked out really well. So be flexible in your game and try not to like be so steadfast and like, Oh, I, I need, have to have this. I amount. have to like, have this amount or we have to meet at this time on this day or it's not going to work. Right. <laughs> well, if you want to play these games, get these games off the shelf, then you need to do something to do that. Right. And like you said, if you have a, a, a plethora of games at your disposal, you can even take a poll of your friends or the people you're playing with saying, you know, give them options as to what kind of games you're going to run. So let's say you're interested in running a, a particular game, let's say Traveler, but people are going, well, I like to play Star Wars. And you have Star Wars on your shelf, and you've you've looked at it and going, but you really want the world of Star Wars. Well, be a little bit flexible and say, well, you know what? My people want to play Star Wars, so these people want to play Star Wars. And it could be for various reasons, right? They just saw the latest Star Wars movie, or they just saw the TV series on Disney or whatever, and they're super hyped about it. I think if players are super hyped about something, maybe you should, you know, acquiesce to them and say this is present to them what they want to, what they want. That's what you should always do: ask your players what they want to play, right? 
Well, sometimes um, you really want to run a game where you want to see how a, run, a game runs. and But you're right. If if Just because the GM wants to run a game doesn't, doesn't mean the, the players want to play that yeah, game. And if the players don't want to play that game, it's not going to be a good game after all. No. So you're better off not running the game that you really want to play and run a game that you're like, oh. And you can almost run the same game. You know, it's Star Wars and Traveler. Eh. You could easily import the ideas of the adventure that you had for Traveler and make it into a Star Wars game. Easy. I'm I'm just looking at him going, okay, because Traveler, <laughs> my characters die before I even get, hit the table. <laughs> Star Wars, I don't think that's going to happen. So, <laughs> I think you're a little, I think you're a little bit uh, biased. Uh, that traumatized the word <laughs> by that happening. And what's funny is a lot of people love that about Traveler, that your character can die before even starting. And I think... Maybe that's because they haven't had their character die before they start. That's no, all I, I got to say. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, that's been taken out of a lot of, of... A lot of people make that an optional rule or take it out, right? Yes, like Mongoose Second Edition, which is po- really popular, has taken that out, or it's optional. Uh, I think Cepheus, which is a, a, a clone of Traveler, has also taken that out. You don't do that. Uh, also, uh, they have made it so your skills are not random. All I know is me and my son had to make characters from the original books, and we and Saul was asleep, so we're looking at it going... I'm gonna. He goes. I'm gonna die before I get the character made. I go. I don't know. It's a chance. <laughs> it's just a chance. Yes. Uh, that's been like I said. That's been taken out of all almost every clone, the two D six fan uh, science fiction game clone of Traveler. They can't say Traveler. Uh, like Cepheus. Uh, there's other ones. Well, that my point was that Star Wars and Traveler are not necessarily the same. But I can see that if all your players want to play Star Wars. And you have read the book and know the rules. Yeah. Then go for it. Right. And like I said, you could kind of use the same idea for Traveler, for Star Wars that you had in Traveler. Like, oh. Go from world to world. To yeah. You could look, look at, uh, what's his name? Things. What's his name? The one with the Millennium Falcon. Han Solo? Yeah, Han Solo. He I was, can't believe he forgot his name. He was a traitor, right? He was a traitor. I'm using the air quotes. He was a smuggler. Uh, I mean, but almost every traveler... Uh, Is a smuggler. Ends up being smuggled because it's very hard to make money doing real, uh, honest work. So he, was, he takes passengers, right? He takes cargo. Cargo, yes. <laughs> cargo and traveler is basically the same in Star Wars. Yes. You don't know what it is. Yeah. yeah. Or you less, might know what it is the less you don't you know, want to. The, the less you know, the better. But you're basically moving stuff from one place to another, and you have a crew that helps you do that. Uh, think Firefly, same thing. It's all interchangeable at certain points. So I think uh, play games that you're offer different games, but play games that your players really want or have a lot of interest in. I think interested players, hands down, beats games that you really want to play. And if you have more, if you know more people, people have different genres that they like to play, right? right? Definitely. Different people like to play different things. Of course, you know, the GMs that I play with, they'll play, they'll run anything and play anything because they well, want to see what, what it is, how the system works, and and how this is going to go. Well, for example, the Stanford group, if I were to say, let's run, I want to run a D&D game, I think some of them would not be interested in it. Like half. Which is almost all. 
Right? I mean... Why play D&D when there's so many other games to play, they say? Or that they've already played a lot of D&D. I've already played enough D&D. I don't need... But here I am running Conan. And they seem to enjoy it. Right? There's always an ape in Conan. (laughs) Yeah, a really murderous, bloodthirsty ape. You're right. I think uh, just being more conducive to following the the interests of the players will get you playing more games and you're going to have players that are really interested in that game and what do you go they're bought in right there's less buy-in they're less convincing of them to to play the game when they're really interested in a certain genre or you can do Saul's method of of buying more than one book and handing it out to people as Christmas presents <laughs> to try to encourage them yeah, to play that, in this game. I haven't been really successful in that. I mean, I did that for the One Ring. I kind of handed out books for the Mutant Chronicles, Bay and uh, and Morgan. They still haven't uh, run the game uh, run for the you, game for me <laughs> or us, I should say. That's hit or miss, but it definitely helps. I think it can help. I don't know if it's a cheap enough game. Some games you can buy for like five bucks. So. But you know, pass them out. So yes, what is it? So once you have a group, I think uh, I put down: don't suffer fools, right? Uh, don't let disruptive players, problematic players, at your table, whether it's the virtual table or the real table, ruin the game, right? If sometimes things people don't gel well together, their 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 play style isn't really to your uh, doesn't match well with your temperament, your style. You, you know, you might want to ask people, well, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out with you in the game for whatever reason. There's all multitude of reasons why you would want somebody to stop playing in your table. Now, the reason I say this is that other people might have the same feelings, but aren't going to say nothing. But And you as a GM are kind of have control of that table. You, you're the one that's bringing everybody together. You're the one that's running the game. And, it, and unfortunately, it falls on you to say, you know what? You're just not matching, gelling well with the rest of the table. Uh, let's just ask you to stop playing or leave the group, because you don't. What's going to happen is if that person is is bothering other people, uh, the other people are going to stop going. They're going to start not showing up for your game, or uh, they're not going to be very consistent, or they're just not going to be present anymore. They're just going to sit there and not partake in the in the game, and then sooner or later they will leave. That's a tough one, I think, for almost anybody, but uh, sometimes it has to be done. Or just say, you know what, this is not working out. This group is not working out. Just just disband, stop playing, and find another group. Okay. I know I, hate, I should, shouldn't end on a, such a negative uh, message, John. But I think, but on the other side of, of this whole situation, this guy was just venting. His, his thought. desire to play the games that he bought. <laughs> yes, and he, he goes, I'm not really asking for help. I'm not really asking, but I'm just basically, I'm just venting. But uh, people, gamers, still came to his aid. You know, they could, they came and tried to help him out, uh, give him some ideas. And I think that's r- usually, for me, has been my experience, uh, role-playing hobby, players and GMs, Everybody's there to try to help each other out and have fun with their game. And I think that's the positive aspect of this whole episode is that people are out there, even though this guy was just inventing, they go, well, let's, let's help you anyway. Let's see what we can find the ways that you can get your games to the table. And for something that, that has no impact on them, right, the players that, that, that saw this post and go, oh, yeah, poor dude. 
They were probably GMs going, <laughs> I know exactly how you feel. This is what I would do. Well, ex- and that's this exactly- is what I have done. And I think there was so much uh, commiseration. Like er- every GM, uh, a lot of GMs, not every GM, a lot of GMs are in that boat, right? They buy the... They're the one that spurs on the, the different games that people want to play. Well, they buy the games because they like interested in it. And then like they present the games to the players. The GMs are the impetus of the driving force of, yes of new games and you at different players tables because the players go well i'll just keep playing whatever the gm runs because like that's the only game in town just, have these extra games just go play. out and yeah. find people to play them and good luck to you finding your your games uh hit the table hopefully Saul gave you some ideas yes there you go this is gaming perspectives with Saul and jolene and you have a good day <laughs>